Good morning, Woodland Hills. God bless you guys. Good to see all you that are in, in, the, in, in the house here. Glad to not see you. I'm not, not glad that I don't see you, but I'm glad that you're seeing us uh, if you're non-local. And it's just good to be sharing this moment together, this kingdom moment. Uh, got a lot to get to, so we're going to jump right in. We're in this series that we're calling Cross-Examination. Uh, it's part of our broader series of the Sermon on the Mount that we've been at for the last two years. And this uh, series on cross-examination is about love and judgment. We're kind of revisiting a series that we did in 2002 that was really transformative for our church, really kind of set the culture of our church uh, about love and judgment. And um, uh, we thought it was a good time for us to revisit that, but it doesn't feel like we're revisiting it. It feels, it feels fresh and urgent. Because um, you couldn't get a more important theme than, than, than this one. And we'll be seeing here that love and judgment are, are, are antithetical. You can't, human beings can't do both at the same time. Uh, we'll get to the judgment part, because this is all based on Jesus' teaching in Matthew 7, when he says, don't judge if you don't want to be judged. The judgment you give is the judgment that you're going to get. And so we spent the first three weeks of this series, uh, this is the third week now, talking about the centrality of love, because we'll never appreciate how important it is not to judge until we understand how important it is for us to love. And for us to love is all important. It's everything. I, I want to entitle this message, Character is Destiny, for reasons that will become clear here in about 20 seconds. And I'll be getting to some scripture later on in this message, but I want to start by reading uh, an ancient pagan philosopher, a Greek philosopher. He's one of my favorites, Heraclitus, a 6th century B.C. philosopher. Just has some incredible insights. Here's what he says about character. Allow yourself to think only those thoughts that match your principles and that can bear the bright light of day. So what he's saying there is you've got to know your principles. What do you believe in? And then only think thoughts that are consistent with those principles and only think thoughts that you'd be willing to bring out in the light of day. No secrets here. You're living consistent with your principles. And then he says day by day, your choices, your thoughts, your actions Fashion the person you become. Your integrity determines your destiny. Your integrity. Now, this idea of integrity means you're integrated. And what you're integrated with are the principles that you believe in. And so if you take the principles that you believe in, that are most important, and conform your thoughts to those principles, and conform your choices to those principles... Well, then they develop habits that are consistent with those principles. And that develops a character that's consistent with those principles. Because now those principles are integrated into who you are. And for Heraclitus and for, for a lot of ancient folks, this was the whole purpose of life. Was to become a person who's whole. Who's, who's virtuous. Who's integrated their foundational beliefs into their every thought into their words, into their choices, into their habits, and now it's their character. And this is the person you have become, and that is your destiny. The way it gets played out in, uh, in history, Heraclitus is the first one, to, I think, to have, have come up with this insight. But after this, it gets repeated in different ways in the history of Western philosophy and in the history of Western theology. But the basic point is that we start by, by making choices about what we think. And that's why the Bible is so emphatic about pay attention to what you think. Philippians 4.8, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are beautiful, think on those things. Which means if it's not true, if it's not noble, if it's not beautiful, don't think on it. So conform your thought to what you believe. And then 
conform your choices, your behavior to what you believe. And that then produces your habits, and that produces your character. Choices produce habits, produces character over time. And that's who you become. And that is your destiny. Okay, hold that thought. I'll get back to it in a moment. But I want to back into the main point I want to make here this morning by sharing, actually giving a little bit of an update about something that's going on in my life. If that's okay with you. Is that okay with you? So I shared a couple months ago about how, you know, I just kind of moaning about uh, the health problems I've been having the last four years and how mad I was at my body. Some of you maybe remember this message. I was mad at my body because I treated my body right all my life pretty much. And uh, I was healthy and ran marathons and whatever. And I thought my body would pay me back by giving me, you know, being able to stay active until my 90s. And I, I was supposed to be the guy who's out there running marathons when I'm 90s. That's what I thought. Wrong-o. Uh, it's 60 and you know, it's like the leaking dam syndrome, you know, where one thing breaks, another thing breaks, whatever. Main thing being that my guy, I got a backed-up jack. A backed-up jack. <laughs> my jack is all backed up, man. It sounds like I got constipation or something. <laughs> My back is all jacked up. <laughs> I've got some herniated disc and arthritis and all that kind of stuff. And I, I shared how it kind of, it, it brought me to the point of having almost chronic pain. Um, and that is a number to your head. It's just, it, it, it's, some of you know this. It, it, it's, it's like, it, John, this is your perception of things. It's, you have to choose not to be in a bad mood. <laughs> like, it, it's, it, it's work. And so for four years, I've been kind of living with that. I, I, I threw a kind of a tantrum. I, 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 I tried everything, physical therapy, several different versions of it, and, and these shot injection things and all the rest, looking at every possibility of curing this, and nothing seemed to work for me. And so at some point, I just said, fine, I quit. And just sort of said to my body, if you're going to treat me like this, well, then I'm not going to pay any attention to you. I'm not going to exercise anymore. I know, I not the epitome of maturity, I know. But, uh, um, yeah, but you know, I just, and, and I think there's a part of me that was, kind of fell into a self-pity party. <laughs> well, um, I shared that, and, 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 and to be honest, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's quite depressing, because if you make that decision, I'm not going to take care of you anymore because you're not paying me back. Well, basically, you're saying, I will spend the last, the next 20, however long I'm going to live, 10, 20, 30 years, watching myself decompose. Really, that's, it's, it's, it's uh, I'm going I'm to just sit here and, and become a couch potato and watch gravity win and my body turn to butter, melting butter, and, and, and I'll watch myself decompose. That sounds like a lot of fun. Well, that's the way to end your story. And I knew that at some point I'm going to have to do something about this because it's not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse. And it was getting worse, and that was kind of concerning me because at, at this rate of attrition, and I was surprised at how fast this decomposition works. You stop exercising, it's just, it just melts. Incredible. I start putting on pounds, and, and, and I got up to 220 at one point. And, uh, I, and I, at this rate of attrition, I'm thinking, I'm not going to be able to be out, go out and do those walks that I've been doing. And these long walks, I've been, I, I talked about that in the message as well. This meditation that I do with my, my dog out in the park and, and whatever. But I have to pay close attention to not injure my back. But the way it's going, it's just, I won't be able to do that in time. So something had to change. Well, whenever I share my physical ailments, I've found, uh, people send me a lot of information. Things that, you know, they've tried and that have worked. And I appreciate all of it. 
Uh, you know, there's some interesting stuff out there. A guy named Colin uh, sent me just this video. Um, he says, you, you know, when you talked about your back pain, I, it, it reminded me of this video that I saw. He sent me this video of a guy named Arthur Borman, who was a paratrooper in the military, and because of that, had just crushed his back. And I, I'm not going to show the whole video here. If you want to check it out, it's Arthur Borman, B-O-O-R-M-A-N, and it's called Never Ever Give Up. It was, I just found it to be so inspiring. I've yet to watch that video, and not, I've probably seen it 10, 12 times, and, and I always get choked up on it. Uh, I'm not going to show the whole thing, but we're going to show our communications team put together a little clip of it, uh, kind of a, a shortened version of it. And so just check this out. It's incredible. It's, it's, it's amazing. I, it, it blew me away. Um, the, the guy at the end is the same guy as, at the beginning. And, and, and see, what happened is he, he got into this kind of yoga, this yoga program, and started doing it very diligently. Uh, and uh, it took 17 months, but he lost, uh, what is it, 140 pounds or something like that, and uh, recovered the ability not only to walk, but as you saw, the ability to run. In fact, uh, in this yoga program, I, that I checked it out. I, I, at first, I thought it was fake, maybe doctored up. So I looked into it, and it turns out it's, it's perfectly legit. In fact, there's a lot of stories just like this of people who've got backs that were more damaged than mine. His back was way worse than mine. In fact, the guy who started this yoga program, a guy named Dallas, or Diamond Dallas Page. Some of you may know him from wrestling. He's a professional wrestler. Um, he had uh, blown out in wrestling his L4 and L5, which is exactly what I've got. He had the same issues I've got. And, and yet he was able to work back and, and, and get back in the ring after having done that. Though the doctor said you'll not, never wrestle again. So I checked this out. Now he, so it's called DDP yoga. I can't believe I, I'm talking about this because I had such a prejudice against yoga. I thought it was kind of new agey, uh, kind of exercise new age light for yuppies. I, I just didn't have a positive view of yoga. I hated stretching with a passion. Never liked stretching. And... Uh, I thought professional wrestling was a joke. I, I, now I'm spending every morning, uh, at least for 45 minutes to an hour, doing, exercising, watching a, a professional wrestler lead me in yoga. 
Oh man, the irony of this is just, it's just, just incredible. But I, so I saw this and I thought, if, if, if this guy can come back from his injury and DDP can come back from his injury, why can't I come back from mine? I mean, it gave me hope that maybe this could work for me. So I watched this video on April 6th and on April 7th, I started the program. You just get this app. And he started this program. And by the way, DDP yoga, it's got nothing to do with Eastern mysticism or Eastern philosophy. There's no philosophy in it at all other than exercise. It's just, a, well, the, the philosophy is you got to believe that you can do it and, and pour yourself into it. So I thought I'd give myself three months. I'm going to pour myself into this. And I did. I mean, I have 45 minutes to an hour every morning. I'm out there doing this, this yoga thing. And man, was I wrong when I thought it was exercise light. This thing kicks your butt. I can't believe Whoa, by the end of it, I'm always just drenched in sweat and exhausted. Um, but it is, it, but it, it's, it's, I'm doing it because there's the hope that I can maybe not get totally pain-free, but I can get my life back, I can get my body back. It's the most depressing thing is that you had to say, when you got a bad back, you got to say no to so many things. Like I can't go out boating and tubing with my, my, my grandkids on vacation because the bumping of the boat will jack my back up. I, I, I've always loved to dance, but I couldn't dance because that's going to jack your back up. I can't do any sports. I can't run anymore. I can't do race walking because it jacks your back up. That sport I did, it was playing volleyball. That put me off for about two weeks. You don't realize how much you got to look up and turn around when you're playing volleyball. And so it's, 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 and I've always been very athletic and active, and so letting go of that was really depressing. And so to get my life back and to become, get, become active again, and stop this free-fall, downward decomposition, decay that I've been on. I thought, I'm going to pour myself into this. I'm going to give it a shot. And even if it doesn't work, it feels more noble to go out swinging than it does just sitting there being defeated, feeling sorry for yourself, turning into a fat couch potato. So I put myself into it. Man, I, I, I've been stretching muscles I didn't know I had. And they don't like it. <laughs> yeah, for, I mean, 65, 64 years, they're like, hey, for 64 years, you've been leaving us alone, not requiring us to do any work. What is up with this? Now you're stretching us every morning and working us every morning. And they cry and they complain. And man, you feel it, you feel it. But you just keep on pressing through that. What I found is this. I've been doing this now for six weeks. And um, I, I'll tell you, I'm happy with the results. And here's something that you haven't seen for about three years, and that's me standing up on the stage. Um, because standing causes really quickly uh, back pain. Uh, at least that's how it has been. But I'm getting stronger. I'm getting stronger. I, 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 I pour myself into this. Oh, you guys. The, okay, so, so um, I hit a peak of, of, of two, 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 220. Uh, and then I started my, doing my, my, the hikes with my dog out in the woods uh, five times a week, going on these long hikes. So I had gotten down to 213. When I started this program April 7th, I, I was uh, 213. As of this morning, I am 198. All right, I've lost, I've lost two and a half inches from my gut. Hallelujah. That's good. And the main thing is I can't believe how flexible I am. Well, actually, I can't believe how inflexible I am because I've never stretched. My hips and back are so tight. And you, then, you watch these people do these things on, on the yoga, and, 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 and man, they can... It's a, that's how it should be, but... I just have been so tight. So when I first started, and part of the program is you take pictures of yourself every week to show progress. It really is motivational. You take pictures where you're just having shorts on so you can see the progress. And, and you do different poses uh, uh, and show progress in these poses. So when I first started, one of the poses is you got to squat. And I, I, I could get on about like this, and it hurt like crazy. The back, the knees, it's like, ugh. Tying my shoes, 
Oh, that was going to be so hard. And I grunted all the time. Oh, trying to tie my shoes. Okay, so, but, but, but I, I kept working at it. And you push through scar tissue. And, the, and you get more, a little bit more limber. And you get lower and lower. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. And, and you push your things apart like this, man. Ah, and now it feels good. This feels, yeah, I just stretch it back all over the place. Yeah. They got me doing a lot of planks. When I first started, I could hold this for 20 seconds and my back would start quivering. And now, yesterday, yesterday I went for three minutes. Huh? Three minutes. Check this out. Yeah. Woo! I can't believe it. I'm loving this. And I, I'm a long way from pain free. In fact, I'll, honestly, in the mornings, it's as bad as it ever was, and sometimes worse, because I'm, I'm, I'm aching from the workout from the day before. But I find if I just do this, at first it's torture. You don't feel like doing it. It's like, ah. But you get loosened up. And once I get loosened up, the rest of the day, the, the pain parameters push to the side. I can do a whole lot more before I start to experience some kind of pain. And then when I do, I just start stretching again. So I, I integrate stretching into my, my everyday life. During worship, I stretched a few times. And I find that that is able to keep me relatively pain-free. So it's a lot of work. I guess this is the best thing. This is the best thing. On Tuesday, the TAP had our first get-together. Uh, you know, it's a mystery where, check it out, it's a beautiful ministry. And uh, we had a karaoke party outdoor at uh, Lake Como. And uh, uh, there's dancing and people doing karaoke. And so I get on the dance floor. And at first I'm really tentative, like, you know, a little love like dancing. But it felt good. I was feeling strong. And before you know it, I was booging. I was just all over the place. I mean, I was I dressed in sweat again, but booging down. I can do it again. I just love it. I don't have to say no to dancing anymore. I can do this. Now, the next morning, I felt like a train wreck. True. <laughs> but I got just through the yoga, and I recovered from it. That's the thing is that things that used to set me back for a week, now I'm able to recover from. Uh, by, by doing this. So uh, I'm going to stick with this thing, and I'm loving it. And um, I, I'm willing to pour all this into it. Between the yoga and my walking with, with Gracie, I'm exercising two to three hours a day. Um, and I used to smoke cigars when I'd go out walking with Gracie. But once I started this program, now I wear a heart monitor, and I try to keep my heart rate above 100 uh, the whole time I'm doing it. So burn calories. Uh, I can sometimes burn five, six, seven hundred calories in the process of doing that. It's just, and it's a big attitude change. I'm no longer sitting around kind of feeling sorry that, oh, I can't do it, I'm free fall, I'm just going to die, and life sucks. No, it's, I'm back in the game, I'm fighting for it, because I, I have a hope of, of staying active in a relatively pain-free way. I want my life back. I want to be able to swing my grandkids the way I used to swing them. I want to be able to, to compete. I don't know how much I'll get back, but I'm going to work for it, I'm trying for it, because there's a prize, and the prize is, I want to be healthy, active, and relatively pain-free for the next however long I have to live. So I'm going for it, putting my all into it. There are some people here. Hey. Amen. And, and there's some folks here who just need, this is my main message here, but I bet there are some here, I'm not the only one, who got to a point in life where your body has let you down, you're plugging the leaking dam, and maybe you've given up. This is just how it's going to be. And so you're in that kind of stage where you're going to watch yourself decompose the rest of your life. I, I, I want to encourage you, that's not life. Um, get back up. Get back in the game. I don't know how much you'll get back, but, but fight for it. Fight for it. 
have as much fullness of life as you can can. So maybe you want to check out this DDP as a, as, as a program to get into. I never thought I'd be doing home videos, exercising, but here I am every morning. And it feels kind of, you know, a lot of it's balancing stuff. You know, where you got to, uh, you know, you're like, like, like you got to go, try this, like, got to balance like that. Or, 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 or you do this, this kind of thing. You got to balance with a, oh, it's crazy. It feels weird at first, but now I'm loving it. So check it out. That's not my main point, though. <laughs> it's amazing how disciplined we can be when we really, really, really want something, isn't it? So let's listen to what Paul says here. Because he applies this to the spiritual life. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So run in such a way as to get the prize. In other words, give it your all. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, and I do not fight like a boxer beating in the air. Nope. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So here Paul is comparing the, the, our spiritual life, our walk with God, uh, to an athlete. And he applies it in two ways. Uh, like an athlete, we're to run to win the prize. In other words, we're to give it our all. You don't, you, don't, you don't run for second place, you run for first place. And in the same way, we should be giving this our all. God deserves nothing less. And then he applies it in a second way when he says, an athlete is in strict training. They, they, they strike blows to their body. Like I'm doing in the morning, I'm, it's like I'm punishing my body. It doesn't like it, it complains. But I'm doing it because there's a higher call. I'm doing it because I want that prize of being able to be relatively pain-free and, 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 and to stay active. And so, like an athlete, we should be in strict training because there's a prize that's at stake. And that prize, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, that prize is simply the deepening of our capacity to receive and reflect the love of God. The prize is having a character that's conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. The prize is being able to know Jesus Christ fully and completely. You know, there's an ancient principle, it, it, it's reflected in the Bible in different ways, and the principle is that like is known by like. Like is known by like. You only can understand a person's love for you to the degree that you have a capacity to love. You don't understand what you don't have, and so if, if your capacity to love is limited, your understanding and appreciation of another person's love is going to be limited. The goal of life is for us to deepen that capacity, because the deeper our capacity to love, the deeper our capacity is to, to receive and experience and understand the love of God for us, the deeper our capacity is to participate in that love and to participate in that joy. And that's what life is all about, folks. This is the prize. Paul brings it up again in Philippians 3. Listen to this. He says, I want to know Christ. That's the prize. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Lock this in. This is so countercultural. Paul understood that if we're going to participate in the power of the resurrection, we have to be willing to participate in suffering. There's a suffering. That's a strict training that's involved on our way to glory, to receiving the prize. And then he says, not that I've already obtained all this, or that I've already arrived at my goal. And I appreciate that. Thank you, Paul. It uh, gives encouragement to the rest of us who I thought by 64 I would have arrived. 
Uh, but no, I'm not. I have a ways to go, believe it or not. And, and so Paul admitting this <clears throat> encourages me. He says, but even though I haven't yet arrived, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. The reason God grabbed us is that God wants us to grab him. And to grab him and to be in strict training to have our character conform to his character so we can fully participate in the love and the joy uh, that he brings to us by virtue of his love revealed on Calvary. And then he says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward, in Christ Jesus. So Paul here is saying that the reason why Christ grabbed hold of him is because Christ wants to share his love with Paul, as he does with all of us. And there's a role that we play in that. The role we play is that it's our job to be in strict training to condition ourselves to be able to receive what God has to offer us. And that's the prize. Um, and Paul's aware that he can't do this on his own. Now, he, he's aware that he stands by the grace of God. It's, it's the Holy Spirit in him that empowers him to do anything for the, for the kingdom of God. But he's also aware that God's not going to do it for him. It feels so good to walk around as I'm teaching again. It's just nice. Uh, it causes more work for the camera people, but that's why we give you the big bucks. Um, God's not going to do it for him. There's a role that he has to play, and the role that he has to play is being willing to suffer, being willing to sacrifice, being willing to be disciplined in order to bring its character in conformity with Jesus Christ. And, and, and that's a lot of work. If that wasn't the case, the whole athlete analogy would totally break down. He sees himself as an athlete in training, strict training. And what he's saying is this. If athletes are willing to train and, 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 and discipline their bodies in order to get a crown that's temporary or a medal that's temporary, or maybe they're training because they want to have as pain-free an active life as possible, as in Exhibit A. But all that is temporary. And so if we're willing to be so disciplined about things that are temporary, and that's important, I'm not minimizing that at all, but how much more should we be willing to be disciplining ourselves in strict training for this prize, this crown that lasts forever and ever and ever and ever? That's the point. This is the center of the center, folks. This is what, this is what it's all about. It's the point of everything. God created this world out of love as an expression of love to invite others in on this love, to share the love that he is with us. And that reaches its culminating point when, our care, when we become the kind of people that God created us to be. And God created us to be little reflections of himself in terms of his love. God created us to be a people who, it starts with our thoughts, who think loving thoughts, and who therefore make loving choices, who develop loving habits, and therefore become a loving character. That is the point of everything. That's, in terms of human beings, that's, this is the goal of creation. It's the purpose. It's the reason why we exist. So the central point of a church has got to be to create a loving group of people, to help people become as loving as possible, learning to love together. I thought that was too simplistic of a motto, but it's, it's, it's brilliant, precisely because it's, it's, it's so simple. Learning to love together, that's the point, the point of everything. There's other things we do and doctrines that we teach and, and whatnot, and those are important. But they're all altogether worthless unless this thing is happening as well, and that is we're learning how to love the way Jesus Christ loved us and gave his life for us. It's the very definition of love. It's the, it's the center of life. It's the center of the church. It's the center of the Christian faith. 
become as Christ-like as we can possibly become. And it starts with our thoughts. The littlest things, you see, every thought we think sets a little bit of a direction to our life. The thoughts lead to actions, and that sets more momentum and direction to our life. And we persist in those choices, they become habits. And that sets a momentum, a direction to our life. But the only way to then develop a loving character is to start with the small stuff, our day-by-day, moment-by-moment thinking processes. And it takes a lot of discipline. And nothing could be more important than this. You know, I, I think being able to stay active and being pain-free is important. But not nearly as important as me becoming a loving person. I think it's important. Uh, the job that you've got is important. The things that you do are important. But nothing compares in importance to this. Are you becoming the person that God created you to be? Are you becoming the person that Jesus saved you to be? Um, and parents, listen up to this. There's a lot of things that you can offer your kids. You know, a lot of, bring them to piano lessons, you know, give them their music training, get them on debate team, get them into sports, get them into academics, whatever. And that's good stuff and important stuff. But parents, the most important thing to be conveyed to your children is to grow up with the, and start young. Grow up developing the kind of character of Jesus Christ, learning how to love others, even learning how to love their enemies. Nothing trumps that in terms of importance. Whatever else you're doing, make sure that that is being done. How important is this? I had about 17 verses I was going to read, and I'm going to read one of them. I keep on saying I'll get to those verses next week. I, I do plan on getting to judgment next week. This is the last message I plan on, on having on the centrality of love. But, you know... Uh, the first sermon series we did on this in 2002 went on for nine months, so I'm not, you know, uh, in any kind of rush right now. We'll see how this goes. But listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. A no- you're irritating noise. Now, it's great that you can speak in tongues, and we believe that that's a gift that's available today. Uh, but even if you can speak in the tongues of angels, it's just beautiful and wonderful, hallelujah. But it's, it's this noise if it's not done out of love for the purpose of furthering love. That's why Paul says, do everything in love, everything in love. And then he says, uh, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but don't have love, I am nothing, zero, not a zippo. It's, it's worthless, and if I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but if I don't have love, I gain nothing. Now let's think about this, because we hear this passage at weddings a lot, and I think we think of it as nice flowery poetry. But the truth is that it is so, so, so radical, what Paul is saying here. These are pretty impressive things, wouldn't you agree? Um, to be able to uh, have, have, have uh, speak in tongues, that's, that's great. And prophetic powers, you can speak the word of God and it just convicts people. Man, you can fill stadiums full of people and have people converted by the thousands. It's wonderful. Hallelujah. But if it's not done out of love for you, it may benefit other people, but for you it's going to be absolutely worthless. And, and you can have, uh, understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can be the most famous professor in the world. You can parse every, every Greek and Hebrew verb in the Bible. You got the whole thing memorized. You can explain the Trinity to a four-year-old. I mean, you can get famous with a, with a brain like that. And maybe it would benefit a whole lot of other people, but it's not going to benefit you. It's altogether worthless from a kingdom point of view if it's not undergirded with love. If, if love isn't integrated into it, and you can have faith that can move mountains. Mountain be thou removed, and it's gone. 
Maybe you can walk into a hospital and heal all the people. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But if that's not done out of love, if it's done for an ulterior motive because you want to be famous or you want people to know you or whatever, well, it's altogether worthless. So what Paul is saying here, what Paul is saying is that the only thing that gives value to anything we do in the kingdom is love. It's the only thing that lasts. It's the only thing we take with us is the character of love that we've developed in this life. Paul talks about how we all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And, 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 and when we appear before the judgment seat of Christ, it's, we will come into his presence. This is the judgment seat where we come into his presence with all of our pretexts, all of our fabrications, all of our facades torn away. The real us in the presence of the real God. And Paul describes that love as a kind of, uh, the love of God that we, whose presence we come into as a kind of fire. And the fire will burn away everything about us that is not consistent with the love of God. Paul says it's like wood, hay, or stubble. It's not consistent with fire, and so it gets burned up. But everything that about our, our life and our character that is consistent will be purified. And he says some will suffer loss. They will be saved. The foundation is there, he says. The foundation is Jesus Christ. You have that by grace. The question is, what do you do on that foundation? What do you build on that foundation? And if what you've built has been self-serving, has been devoid of love for others, well, then it's wood, hay, or stubble, and that's going to mean nothing to you, and you'll suffer loss. But if what you've built on there is compatible with the love of God, the character that you have, well, that, that's like precious stones, gold and silver, and it will be purified by the love of God. And see, the love of God is doing this right now to us. God's always trying to burn away stuff in our life that it's not consistent with, with, with his love and with his will. And she's trying to purify all the stuff in our life that is consistent with his will. And as I read the New Testament, that process doesn't end when we die. I know a lot of people think that the minute you die, you get perfected. Like God's going to wave a magic wand. And now you have the character of Christ. See, God... He respects our personhood. If God could do that, he'd do it right now. You know, he wants us to be persons. He wants us to participate in this. We have a will in this. We have to yield to him and, and, and to, to see the process through. And, and, and whatever we don't complete in this life is going to have to be completed after we die. Now, we're not told how that's going to happen or how long it's going to take or whatever. It doesn't give us those kind of details. But we are to know that that, that, that is coming. And there is a reward there to the degree that our body that we have purified uh, our life and, and, and have purged the things that are not consistent with God. That is the prize. And the loss, Paul talks about he doesn't want to be disqualified. The loss is to the degree that our life is made of wood, hay, or stubble. Now that's got to motivate us. It ought to motivate us to be right now as intentional as we could possibly be to, to be developing this character, to be practicing loving others, to be practicing being conformed to the image of Christ. This ought to motivate us to pay close attention to how we think about others. Are we thinking loving thoughts? And how we speak and how we act. Because that determines the habits that we develop. And the habits that we develop, if we persist in them, develops our character. And the character is what goes into the presence of God at the judgment seat of Christ. To either experience reward or to suffer loss. That ought to motivate us, folks. It's like, yes, with that. We, we, we're capable of incredible discipline when we want something bad enough. And this ought to be the thing that we want the most because this is the point of everything. The one thing that gives value. So only love survives in the end. Everything else about us will be burned away. So it's vital that we are just 
pouring ourselves out. The way I'm pouring myself out for this DDP yoga, we got to be pouring ourselves out like that to develop this loving character. So I'm going to end by giving three practices that will help, I think, integrate our core value is Christ-like love. Love is defined by 1 John 3.16. Here's how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, so also we should lay down our life for one another. Um, we want to integrate that into our life and have that as part of our character. So here's three disciplines that can do that. There's other, a lot of other spiritual disciplines that, that, that are very, very helpful. But here's three that I would, I, I, I really would wish that this is something that we understand that this is what we do. If you're part of the Woodland Hills community, this is what we do. Uh, there are practices that I've, re, I've, I've shared here a lot, uh, but I've never brought them together as, as sort of a package here. I, I asked our communications team, who was just full of a lot of bright and creative people, uh, to come up with an acronym, if possible. I gave them the, th- the three exercises. And they came up with the acronym GAP, G-A-P. And what that represents is that these disciplines will help us fill in the gap between where God knows we can be in terms of our loving character and where we presently are. There's a gap there. We want to fill in that gap by integrating our principle of love into every part of our life, our thought and our actions and all the rest. So here's the three principles, or the three exercises. G stands for get all your life from Christ. If you've been here for any length of time, you hear me say that all the time, and I will keep on saying it all the time because repetition is the key to learning, and this is, this is principle number one that we've got to learn. We've got to get this down. Um, we're going to get all of our life, and I'm going to get all of our worth our core worth, our, our, our sense of well-being, our sense of being fully alive, our sense that life is worth living, that ought to come out of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The reason why I feel good about myself can be a lot of things. I, things I feel good about what I'm doing with DDP. But the, at the core of my being, what makes life worth living is that I know my creator delights in me and loves me with his perfect love and has given his life for me. And, and, and has a, my life is significant and counts for the kingdom that he's building. Because uh, only to the degree that our, our core needs are being met out of our relationship with Christ, only to that degree are we able to overflow with love towards others. I shared this last week. The whole p- program of God is God wants to pour himself into us so that we are full and then overflow towards others. But if, you're, if your core needs aren't being met out of your relationship with Christ, then you, will, you can't help it. You will be trying to meet those needs by other means, by getting people to think you're great or smart or pretty or sexy or whatever. There's a million strategies there. But see, you're living life now to try to get rather than living out of abundance of fullness that you have. People live life either out of a center of celebration or out of a center of desperation. We are to be the people who live out of a center of celebration because everything we, already, we need, we already have in Christ. And so we celebrate that and we overflow. But if we're walking around empty and hungry because our core needs are not being met, well, now you're living a life of desperation and you're going to be trying to meet that need. So principle number one, everything hangs on this. Paul says, the love of Christ compels me. Spend time. Here's the discipline. We've got to make time to hang out with Jesus. Have a date with Jesus. Let him pour his love on us. Just soak it in. That's the fuel of the kingdom. You can't have a good marriage if you're not hanging out with your spouse every once in a while. And you can't have a good walk with God unless you're hanging out with Jesus once in a while. So carve out some time where you just let him love you. Um, You can do that in a lot of different ways. Uh, I recommend strongly imaginative prayer. I have a book on that called Seeing is Believing, if you want to find out more about that, where you just surrender your imagination to the Holy Spirit and encounter the living, living Lord. Um, meditation's a, a great way of connecting with God. I've been doing a lot more of that on my walks uh, with, with my dog, Gracie. 
and just meditating on God's love for me as I'm paying attention to how I'm walking. I pay attention to the fact that I'm walking in God's presence and I'm filled with his love and he loves me with an everlasting love and I'm seated in Christ Jesus far above all principalities and powers and all the rest. Meditation. However you connect with God, do it on a regular basis. Because we can't give what we don't have. We have to be receiving that love if we're going to give it. So, G, get all your life in Christ. Number two, A, agree with God that every person you see was worth Jesus dying for. And you hear me say this all the time. This, I think, is the most vital principle for integrating um, this love into our every thought, into our choices. Walk around, cultivate the habit of when you see people agree with God that that person has unsurpassable worth. Uh, and, and, and just pray a blessing over them. Uh, throughout the day, whether you're driving, you're walking, going to the library, studying, pulling into a gas station, I don't care what you're doing. Going grocery shopping. Just be blessing people as you're going about your business. Just agree with God. They've unsurpassed. Whatever else you see about them, whatever else you think about them, put it aside and have one opinion. And that is Jesus Christ crucified. And see, as you do this, the challenge is to remember it because you're trying to develop a new thought pattern. So whatever it takes to remember it, put post-it notes or whatever. But be doing this to cultivate your thoughts. And then be looking for opportunities to express that uh, the, in, in choices you can make. Opening the door for a person. I mean, if you're walking around loving people, you'll see plenty of opportunities to help them. person needs help carrying their groceries, your neighbor who needs help mowing the lawn, or what have you. Be looking for opportunities to express that. We are the people who are secret blessers of other people. I mean, if you're in the grocery store blessing folks, you're probably the only one doing that. Uh, which makes you a weirdo, and that's good, because we're supposed to be weirdos. But be part of a tribe of weirdos. Know that you're not the only one doing this. We're all doing this. Walking around just blessing people. Be a blessing machine. Lord, bless that person over there. Regardless whether they're nice to you, mean to you, doesn't matter. Our job is just to be loving them. Integrate the love of Christ into our thought processes. So G, get all your life from Christ. A, uh, agree with God about the unsurpassable worth of every person you encounter. And then P stands for praying for your enemies. And this is, this, is the, this, this, is, this is so crucial. I talk about how when I flex these muscles I didn't know I had, they hurt, they cry, and they whine. Here is a muscle that very few people ever develop, and it's so crucial. Loving your enemies, it, it, it goes against our fallen nature. It can hurt. I started this in 1996, and at first it was like pulling teeth. Let's be honest. We like to hate our enemies. And everything in our culture right now encourages us to hate our enemies. Join the hate crowd. That is a place that we kingdom people can never, ever, ever go. And so the way to flex this muscle is to be praying for your enemies all the time. Pick out the three or the four or the five people that you have the hardest time loving. That maybe you, they just disgust you. You just despise them. You think they're destroying America. You think they're whatever. Yeah, maybe they're really terrible, evil people, but your job is to pray for them. Uh, pray blessing on them. You don't pray that they're, if they're evil. You don't pray that, that that flourishes. You pray that they get free from that evil. But be asking God to give you his heart for these people. Flex that muscle. In time, you'll find it starts off being really, really hard. But it's, start by making choices. How, how do you think? How do you choose? What happens do you develop? And that forms your character, folks. This is everything. Gap. Can we be the people who do gap? Can we be the people who do gap? I'm asking you. Can we be the people who do gap? Amen. If ever there's anything worth being disciplined about, it is this. And this is just some easy steps that we can begin to do. Uh, to become the loving people that God, Jesus Christ calls us to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I check. All right. 
Uh, we have prayer available if you would like to get prayer for this matter or for any matter. Uh, if, you're, if you're local, we have the prayer team up front. If you're, if you're online, uh, you can get on the prayer team that way. I encourage you to do that. Well, we have the Musecast on Tuesdays where they go deeper with the message. I encourage you to tune in there. And then we have our gathering groups, which is really a, a good context to be practicing loving people. And, and, and you can discuss with others from all over the place uh, about the message and go deeper with that. If you're going to be here next week, local, uh, let us know if you have kids so we have enough kids in the, uh, we have enough uh, people working in the children's area to take care of those kids. Abba Father, for this reason you've taken hold of us that we might take hold of you in a full capacity to dance with you, to enjoy you, to celebrate you, to experience your love, and to be overflowing with your love. You that have begun a good work in us will see it through to the end. Lord, give us hearts that participate, that are willing to suffer in the likeness of Christ, that we may reign with him in the likeness of Christ. Be glorified in the way that we live our lives. All God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. Go out and love every single person you come in contact with. See you next week.